If you are a businesswoman working to amplify your six and seven figure business from success to significance, then you know it's not just about the right strategies or the right tactics. It's more and more about high caliber people around you, your team, your collaborators, and advisors that can open doors for you and widen your reach. Welcome to your Circle of Influence podcast with your hosts, Dr. Monica Ogando and Amy Walker. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of your Circle of Influence podcast. I am your co-host, Dr. Monica Ogando. And I'm Amy Walker. And today we are diving into my number one best, most favorite, (laughs) amazing strategy for how I have built my business. And it is collaborations. We want to talk about how to have profitable collaborations. Yes. It's the, it's the real C, you know, the big C word. It's the real C word collaboration, not competition. Oh, I was not like, answer, I we beat that twenty years ago. Is you're talking about? I was trying to guess. Like, are we talking about, <laughs> you're talking about cookies? <laughs> Even though you knew the title, cookies. What, what are we talking about? <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, the keys to profitable collaborations, and I know you have a lot to say about this, um, Amy, because that literally has been the foundation of every good thing you've ever shared with me. So take it away. And I'm going to jump in here with my own rant and raves as time allows. Yeah. So I love collaboration. I think, you know, the very first thing that you got to look at is, is shifting away from thinking of people as competition and into finding out how can we win together? How can we create something bigger together than we could do alone? Um, Mm -hmm. How can we go farther and reach more people? So that's kind of the mindset foundation of it. But where I see a lot of entrepreneurs uh, get lost in the details, there's reasons why collaborations go badly. And the mm-hmm. first reason is because they partner with people that they like instead of partnering with people that they can be productive with. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I just met this person. I love their message. I want to help them get it out there. Let's put them on our stage. Let's book them for our next event. And then that person doesn't have the same audience. They don't have the right reach. They're not a good promotional partner. And so it's like they don't check all the boxes on the list. And so you need to know, first of all, create that profile of who is your ideal partner. So Mm -hmm. in my business, and and it shifts depending on, you know, are we talking about the podcast? Are we talking about our monthly conferences that we hold? But like, just for example, with with our business conferences this year, what we are doing, our list is that we want people who their I, their audience is entrepreneurs and small business owners. They mm-hmm. have a list size of 5,000 or more. Mm-hmm. They are dynamic in their presentation skills. They have high integrity in how they do business and they will follow through with the promotion schedule that we're looking for and be able to generate 50 to 200 leads for the event. Like, because we know what we're looking for now we can go after and we can find those people that are a great fit. Oh, sorry. I forgot one. They also are looking to build their list. Like they're, they're proactively looking and wanting Mm -hmm. to speak Mm -hmm. in front of 
larger audiences. So when mm-hmm. we reach out and say, hey, we can provide you with an opportunity to speak in front of a larger audience, they'll be excited and they're not going to act like uh, divas who are doing us a favor. Right. Exactly. Yes. Look at that. I meet all those requirements. <laughs> yeah. So when we know what we're looking for and we put, it, it's like, I, I feel like people approach collaboration sometimes backwards. So sometimes the way that they do it is they say, okay, I really like this person. We have great synergy. So let's create something together. And then what can we create together? Then they create something together. And it's like, a little off brand. It's a little off topic. It doesn't mm-hmm. lead into their core programs, products, or services. And mm-hmm. so then they end up doing the collaboration. It gets a lot of attention because you put two dynamic people together, you can get a lot of attention, mm-hmm. or maybe you put 10 dynamic people together can get a lot of attention, but yeah. there was, they didn't have a revenue plan. Mm-hmm. And so it ends up not being profitable. It was a good collaboration, but it was not a profitable collaboration. So when I do this, I kind of just start from the end. I say, okay, what am I trying to sell? And now that I know what I'm trying to sell, what's the topic that's going to lead into that product really well? Now that Mm -hmm. I know the topic, who are the right promotional partners that Mm -hmm. are going to fit into that topic? And it's also Mm -hmm. going to, that topic is also going to lead people closer towards their products and services. Mm -hmm. And so it ends up becoming a a win for all of us and it ends up being profitable for everybody instead of just profitable for one. Yes. So, you know, I, I, (laughs) the reason why when somebody asks me for my quote unquote elevator speech for CEO mastery, my company or what I do, you know, that's a, that's a very common question. What do you do, Monica? What do you do, Amy? Uh, I, the reason why I say that I'm a leadership coach for women executives and entrepreneurs, and I focus on three pillars of success, profits, personal mastery, and communication. And the reason why I whittled it down to those three pillars is because I noticed, to your point about profitable, um, you know, collaborations, is that ultimately those are the most obvious and synchronistic ways in which we measure our own successes in our launches and our business and our careers and our families and our relationships, et cetera, et cetera. Now you may have different measuring mechanisms for a profit. For example, my uh, collaboration with my sister may not necessarily be measured in dollar signs, but it is measured in, you know, healthy, loving um, children that are being raised but you know her nephew her my nephews her sons my children you know etc and so but the only reason why we know what the tangible result is which i'm calling profit in this sense is because there's been very clear integrate integrated communication right mm-hmm. and we hinted at this where in our anniversary show when we said you know we we actually asked each other Um, let's talk about the divorce before we get married. And we talked about what might cause a breakdown. What, what, how do I know that you're in breakdown? How can I help you when you're in breakdown, when you can't even help yourself? Um, How do I interrupt whatever, you know, downward spiral we may be going into, et cetera. So to have those kind of like preventive and anticipatory conversations goes a long way to smoothing the way when things are rough. And to be able to have those kinds of conversations with your collaborative partners 
uh, also increases, you know, we always talk about the no like, and trust factor. It increases that no like, and trust factor from the inside out because it's like, wow, this person actually is interested in knowing me, likes me enough to overlook some of my flaws or to deal with whatever breakdowns I may be going through, et cetera, and trusts me enough that we'll be able to get on the other side no matter how ugly this looks. And so when you can do that and then it exercises and it evokes your own personal mastery because now I have to be a better person in order to be able to deal with Amy Walker. I don't know if you all know this, but I have had to be a better version of Dr. Monica in order to be a good partner to Amy. No shade. <laughs> and I am certain she would say the same. She's like, I'm, I have to button up my stuff, you know, in order to deal with Dr. Monica. And so when you do that with one another, it becomes a very satisfying thing because it's not about, um, uh-oh, uh-oh, another musical Tourette's moment. It's like that Neo song. I'm a, I'm a force when I'm myself, but I'm a movement when we're together. What does he say? No. What does he say? I'm the I wrong think, person to ask. I think he says, I'm a movement by myself, but I'm a force when we're together. And I think that happens with profitable collaborations that it's like, I could do this by myself and I could pay people and I can delegate and I can hire and I can da da da. But a collaboration implies a certain level of vulnerability and of transparency that requires personal leadership, that requires masterful communication and eventually leads to optimized profits. So I love that. And there's different levels of collaboration as well. And so that's the other thing is that I recommend that you work into deep level collaborations. Mm -hmm. Start off on collaborations that are a little bit more surfacey and you see, okay, how does this person show up to play? Um, Do they follow through with the things that they say that they're going to do? Are they helpful and supportive or are they an energetic drain? And um, when you see that things are good on that level collaboration, which for, you know, for example, in my business, that would be like us having a guest on a podcast. Do they actually promote when we send them the graphics? You know, Mm -hmm. are they a joy to work with? Do they get us their stuff or do we have to like hound them? Do they Mm -hmm. show up on time or do they no show and then ask if they can reschedule five times, which by the way, we would not allow. (laughs) Like, we'll give you, we'll give you one or two grace moments. And then after Mm -hmm. that, maybe this is just not the right fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my uh, events, that would be inviting someone to speak at like a joint venture webinar um, or one of our conferences. And then if that collaboration is good, then how do we deepen that relationship? Do they become a regular reoccurring partner? Mm-hmm. Do we set up cross uh, affiliate relationships where we send clients to them, they send clients to us. And then you look at something that is more co-creating a product together that is going to be ongoing, where you're going to have this relationship for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes as women, we, we get a feel for someone, right? We see the good in them. We see the potential in them and we jump deeper, faster. Mm-hmm. As we feel the connection instead yeah. of allowing it to say like, there are plenty of people that I really love, respect and admire on a very deep level, but I can't work the way that they work. Our work styles are just too different. And so it wouldn't be a good long-term, deeply close working relationship, but mm-hmm. we, they can be in my outer layer of collaborations, no problem. And then the last piece that I would say is agreements, having agreements in place, setting very clear expectations and, um, and getting them in writing so that you guys are all on the same page with everybody knowing what has been agreed to. And you're not expecting one thing, but they have no idea that you're expecting that one thing. Yeah. The other thing that I would add to that is, is uh, generous assumption of goodwill. 
And what I mean by that is a lot of times when, when somebody doesn't meet your expectation, it's very tempting to assume malintent. It's very tempting to think, oh, this person's trying to sabotage me or this person is, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm going to challenge us all. I think it's just a good practice, even just in general American population, <laughs> to assume goodwill first and mm-hmm. then go from there right like maybe this person didn't hear me maybe this person didn't remember maybe this person thought I meant one thing and I actually meant another maybe I wasn't clear that's that's more of an ownership assumption than, than a generous assumption um because if you can operate from there then you can ask better questions to find out where did the breakdown occur versus coming from an accusatory tone or coming from a um, I'm already anticipating a betrayal or I'm already anticipating a breakdown kind of thing. Uh, you open yourself up to be able to observe the relationship rather than scrutinize it to death. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess my last piece of advice would be though, if you are in a collaboration that is not working for you, you feel mm-hmm. like it's an uneven collaboration. You're putting in more than you're getting out. Um, your desire to move in a different direction is there and, and you're just not quite sure how to get out of it. Like, honestly, if you keep getting run over on the railroad tracks, just step off the railroad tracks. It's okay <laughs> to end a collaboration. It really is. Now, if you're in an actual legal partnership, that's going to require work. It's going to require mm-hmm. attorneys. It's going to require conversations and it might be mm-hmm. painful, but it is better to go through that than it is to continue to get run over by that train time after time after time. Yeah, agreed. And once again, I think the conversation of let's plan for the divorce before we get married will will sidestep a lot of those issues. Because then what happens, <laughs> it's kind of like, it, this is like sales pro, pro tip 101. You know, people people that, we, you and I both train on sales and we always talk about anticipating you know, uh, objections, right? I always tell them anticipate and dissolve objections because if you can anticipate and you can articulate whatever their objections are and dissolve them by speaking through them or reasoning through them, by the time that you get to that problem or that objection or that breakdown, it's like, we've been, we've been here before, even if just in hypothetical land, but we've been here before, we already know what to do. And so when you do that in your relationships, then it's like, oh, okay. I'm not, first of all, I'm not freaked out by the breakdown. And secondly, I know we already have a plan. So let's just execute the plan. Yep. I love it. Love it. All right. So our challenge for you, what do we want our challenge to be? I think it should be to go find someone that they can collaborate with and create a result that's better than what they could do on their own. Yeah. And um, here's the criteria rules. That person that scares you and intimidates you, like, I could never talk to her. I could never get an interview with her. I could never get a blood. Yeah, go after that one. (laughs) (laughs) Because you'll surprise yourself with the kind of magic that you can create if you allow yourself to be challenged in that way. Mm, Good stuff. Go get your scary collab and get some stuff done, you guys. Increase your reach. Make business easier. Doing things, doing everything on your own is the hardest way to succeed. Creating alignment with <gasps> successful people. Makes Another so musical Tourette's moment. What, is what did you just say about uh, creating results by yourself? What did you just say? I don't even remember. I think you said something like creating creating results by yourself is like the, the hardest, hardest way, way to go about it. Yeah. 
and uh, and Barbara Streisand came to my mind and said, "People who need people are the luckiest people in the world." Oh, thank you, Barbara, <laughs> <laughs> for gracing us oh, in your this podcast. And we so appreciate all of you being in this space of collaboration with us, being listeners, being uh, guests on the show, uh, sharing the episodes and letting other people know about the goodness that is your circle of influence. So leave us a comment, connect with us on social media. We cannot wait to hear from you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon.